All right, I hope everybody's doing good. We're back with another edition of Casey Music Talk. And I am here today with a piano player, uh, engineer. Is that what you guys are called? Recording yeah. engineer? Yeah. Audio engineer. Audio engineer. Um, Mike Moreland, how you doing? Good, Rob. Yeah. Good to be here. Thanks, Thanks for, for coming on the show. Thanks for calling me. Appreciate yeah, yeah. it. So I, I'm pretty sure I would have met you with Millie at some point in the, on your Monday thing you had going on a couple years ago. I'm pretty sure that was at the Phoenix on the on Monday night, uh, doing the open mic, mm -hmm. open jam with Millie Edwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The wonderful Millie Edwards from the Wild Women. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's been a few years ago now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's been because I, you know, I stopped doing that, and they then they eliminated the Monday nights completely, mm -hmm. which is showbiz. Mm -hmm. And that's just the way it is. And yeah, that's been that's been a while. Yeah, and I think it's possible we may have played one gig. I maybe played one gig with you guys at, at California's or something one time with. You know, you mentioned that once before, yeah. and I have no memory of that. Yeah, I, I barely do either. Yeah, it's just and, kind of uh, one of those moments. You know, you get called for somebody, and they they do know. kind of blur together mm -hmm. after uh, you know a while. Sure. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that may I cannot uh, confirm nor deny. The, uh, <laughs> California's good. Yeah, that's all right. So, but uh, yeah, man. Well, uh, for those of you that don't know Mike, uh, tell tell everybody a little bit how you got like like started playing and a little bit of your career and stuff. Well, um, I grew up in a small town in Kansas, Madison, Kansas, which is south of Emporia, Kansas, mm -hmm. which is a little bitty wide spot in the road. Um, about a thousand people, mm -hmm. 800 to a thousand yeah. people in this little town. Farming town, oil, uh, manufacturer, oil production town. And when I was th about fourth grade, third or fourth grade, I started pestering my, my folks for a piano. And it just seemed like something that I should be doing. Mm -hmm. And they weren't, uh, you know, convinced. So I had a classmate who lived a few doors down, and they had a piano, and they were all taking lessons. So the way it started was, you know, I had been asking my parents, you know, for piano and for lessons, and it was like, oh, let's wait, let's. And they were they were probably thinking, you know, in six months this will be over. And mm -hmm. But my friend uh, Peter, uh, they had a piano, and they were taking lessons, and he needed help with schoolwork. So we worked out a little deal where they would let me practice on their piano and then I would help him with his homework, mm -hmm. which, which worked a little bit. I did a lot more practicing than, I, than he did homework, mm, yeah. but this is, a, this is okay. But I, it, I just, I took to it right away and it just seemed fascinating to me and stuck with it and got some lessons from her older, his older sister. I can remember her showing me where C is on the piano. And then going, oh, that's a C, and that's a C, and that's a C. Yeah, right. And it just made sense to me. So this went on for a couple of months. And so finally, my folks thought, well, let's, let's get him a piano. So I, uh, I learned to play the piano on a piano that was in an abandoned farmhouse. <laughs> and it was a former player piano that someone had wow. taken the mechanism out of it. Right, yeah. So you had the little windows and you opened it up and you know, there was just the strings and the hammers. So I paid $35 for this piano <laughs> and moved it into the house and got it tuned for me and uh, some repairs that it needed, nothing serious, but it you know, had been sitting in a farmhouse. And that's the piano I played until I graduated 
from high school and mm. left left the family home. Yeah. And so, you know, when I do have students who would like to occasionally blame the gear <laughs> and it's like, you know, partner, let me tell you something. Mm -hmm. It's not the gear holding you back. Mm -hmm. It is you sitting there and putting in the time and being patient and delaying gratification and working at it. And so anyway, that's that's how it got started. Yeah. And I, before that, I was uh, I started writing music before I could read music because <laughs> I just thought it looked nice. Oh, on that's the, on, weird. On yeah. the page. So I would ask my uh, uh, grade school music teacher, "Can I have some staff paper and can I take book take home one of the books?" Because he used to sit and sing, right? Mm -hmm. For you know maybe three times a week or something. So I would just take it home and I didn't know what I was doing. I was just copying out. You know, sixteenth notes, and I liked uh, flags, and I liked rests, and right. I liked sharps and flats, and so I was just kind of copying stuff. You're totally cool. You're like, oh, look at me. Well, I got the, you know, you just, you know, I just liked the way it looked yeah. on the page. So, sure. and to me, when I was seven or six or whatever it was, I was writing music. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. I didn't really quite get that. <laughs> you know, it's not playable. But, uh, so I guess the interest was just kind of always there. Mm -hmm. I remember one of my very first memories was hearing a pretty blonde woman, I believe, named Peggy Lipton on television singing downtown. Da 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 downtown. Yeah, yeah. And there was something about that that I really liked. <laughs> <laughs> so I think my. Uh, Lifelong uh, interest in singers started at a very young age. Yeah, that's funny. Because you know there was something about that that I just thought <laughs> was pretty cool. Mm. So uh, yeah, so I started as a kid, and in high school uh, started getting more more serious about it. And when it was time to go to college, um, I was going to be a band teacher. Mm. I thought you know this would be this is this is what I should do. I'll be a high school band teacher, and that'll be a good. That's what I should do. And I did that for a semester or two maybe, maybe less. But one day driving to college, um, I can remember so clearly looking out the, to my left in my 72 Volkswagen van. And uh, there was a high school band teacher out in the middle of a field with his marching band. And they were making the shape of a heart Mm -hmm. playing uh, How Deep Is Your Love mm -hmm. by Bee Gees. Mm -hmm. And I just had a flash of my future. And I just thought, no, mm -hmm. I can't, no, that's not Not me. you. Yeah. So I went to my advisor that day and changed my major to composition. Mm -hmm. And I started taking lessons right away with a very good composer named Joseph Ott. And, uh, you know, he worked me hard. And it just kind of developed from there. Yeah, and didn't want to steer away from music. It looks like it was just the band, you know, band teacher thing was like a... Yeah, it just kind yeah. of struck me that I, you know, I, yeah, I didn't really understand what that meant. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. And nothing against, you know, we need yeah. band teachers and we need those people who are good at that right. and are, are helping kids along. Mm. At that age, they, they so much needed. But I was also... Uh, uh, the had the benefit of a very, very kind and sweet um, teacher, piano teacher. Her name was Margaret Hind. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, we drove out to a little farmhouse out in the wood, out in the farmland there mm. by my house. And I took lessons from her for uh, about ten, about ten years. Mm. Wow. And she was just very nurturing, but still strict, mm -hmm. and but just very, very kind. And uh, I would start changing things in the music because mm -hmm. I wanted to, you know, do it, you know. And so we had a rule. Well, she had a rule. <laughs> it was uh, you learn it the way it's written. Yeah. And then I'll listen yeah. to any changes that yeah. you have. And I'm like, okay, that yeah. seemed fair to my ten-year-old. Right. Right. So yeah, I, was, I just I got real lucky in that way. That's cool. I love your comment about the piano you were talking about because I I, I tell my students that all the time, and I know that you, I mean you've heard these famous stories about Charlie Parker, you know, when he would you know be going through his you know drinky and shoot him up you know phases, and he would go sell his sell his crap and every then, night and then Fine. every night and then he'd come back with some you know monstrosity of a saxophone. And just had the worst instrument in the whole bar. But as soon as he stepped in, I mean, everybody's like shuddering. They're like, oh, crap. He's about ready to tear me a new one on the worst instrument I've ever seen. And, you know, I, that, that's just another example of, you know, the instrument. I mean, it's got to be literally playable, of course. But you, uh, a really good player can, uh, can, you know, can make you want to quit off of a, you know, right? I mean, it happens to me all the time. Uh, yeah, right, yeah. But you've got to be pretty good before the instrument's holding you back. Right. Yeah, I heard Charlie Parker. You know, would occasionally, you know, borrow a friend's instrument <laughs> and go pawn it, and so right. but, you know, bless his heart. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, but I, I, I love that, and I, I think that's what we need to be talking to kids a lot about because I think it, excuse making in general is definitely not a kid problem. It's not a girl and guy problem. It's an everybody problem. Human you know, problem. yeah, human problem. It's this and, tool right in here, right? That you know, and I have told students uh fairly recently you know i can't make you curious yeah that's that's yeah i can't make you want to make progress i'm going to help you mm -hmm. and try to guide you as much as i can but i you know i just i can't do it for you right i but i will you know i will try to put you in position and lob you softballs and give you encouragement and guidance as mm -hmm. much as i can to, yeah to help you experience the things we've experienced. Sure, are just so yeah. positive. Oh, yeah. You yeah, know. I mean, those those students are just like, uh, they're just a gift, you know, gift from the heavens when we, because we all get them, you know, those students that really want it real bad and they like it and we, you know, I mean, who knows what percentages, you know, certain teachers, I mean, I've heard things like 25% or, you know, or whatever the percentage of your students that really have that, oh, I want this bad, tell me exactly, you know, it may be more, maybe less, you know, but, uh, but uh, have you found that to be uh, like a, a percentage of your students kind of just sort of there? Yes, right? that's, you know? yeah, that's true. And, you know, in a way to, you know, that's okay. Um, well, I'm okay with that. Right. Uh, you know, when I, I went to KU for undergraduate and uh, I took a poetry class, uh, mainly to meet girls. Because I thought, or I thought it would be a good way, which it wasn't really. But uh, I gained an appreciation, and I found out I'm not a poet. Mm -hmm. And I wrote yeah. some stuff, and I just found out that, you know, this yeah. isn't for me, and that's okay. Yeah. I mean, I worked at it, did all my did all my assignments and all that. But I, I do think it's okay for for some people just to try it, see if it works for them. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't speak to you, and it continues to not speak to you, 
that's okay. That you just need to do something else. Find whatever yeah. it is that makes you feel right. the way we feel about music. And, right. And that's okay. I mean, yeah, that's okay. What I hate is when a student really does have potential, and they say they want it, but then their actions don't reflect. Yeah, right. Right. That can be frustrating. But you keep after it, and fairly often, I can turn those students and get them up in the boat, so to speak, right. and make them get them to realize that. Oh, wait a minute, you know. I've got, I do have some potential here. If I'll keep working at it, mm. maybe I can, maybe I do have a chance here. Sure. And that, that's what I've tried to wrap my mind around with this idea of ambition, because it's, it's the wanting it and the doing is what ambition really is. And that's I know uh, from my experience, my first band I was in, yeah, these guys wanted it. Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, I would love to be at Sandstone or Sprint Center. You know, I mean, of course they want it. But they weren't willing to do anything, you know what I mean? Every, all of us think that's cool and would love to be good, ooh, you know. But, but how many of us are willing to... Well, and I, I tell all of my students that are in that top tier, if we, if we get to talking about that, I do tell a lot of them that, you know, if you truly want to be a professional in this field, you're probably going to have to be willing to relocate. Mm, yeah, because that's you know, interesting. There yeah. is... There is pro work here in town, mm -hmm. and Kansas City's a good place to be, uh, but it's not as good as L.A. or New York sure. or Chicago or Nashville, yeah, even. Right. And uh, so I'm one of my very best students, most talented students ever, Yao Zhou. Uh, I got to see him in Los Angeles over Thanksgiving, just past this Thanksgiving. And uh, he's making his living 100% as a composer and arranger good in, for in him. Hollywood. Wow, good and for him. we had a very good talk, and, and yeah, I mean, I didn't do that much except guide him and encourage mm -hmm. him, and so Facebook has let us stay in touch. That's neat, yeah. And he showed me one of the studios he worked at, and still works at freelance, but it's about, oh, maybe 400 yards below the Hollywood sign. Oh, yeah, so close. And, yeah, 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 and it was yeah. just like, oh, yeah. wow, that's fantastic. Yeah. But he said something very smart that, I, that I've been saying for years, but he, uh, he's, we were talking about deadlines and how do you, you, know, how do you meet your deadlines? And I said, well, there's just no, there is no not meeting your deadline. And he's, you know, he said, early is on time, on time is late, late is fired. You're right, yeah, yeah. And he told me if they want it on Wednesday morning at noon, I try to send it to him Tuesday night. I don't want them stressing about my work at all. I want to get it done and get it sent to them, right. and so they don't have to worry about it. Because the music is always rushed. Right. You know, you'll have three weeks for this project. Well, you've got three days. <laughs> and he says this happens all the time. Yeah, sure. This is just part of being a pro writer. And I just thought those are words to live by. There is no being late. Have you ever been late to a gig? Yeah, I've been late to a gig once. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, how, how but yeah. not not very many, you know. I mean, it's, you know it's just so. a bad. Yeah, it's just bad all the way around. Right. And if you get the reputation for being unreliable, yeah, it's just not. It's it's just not good. Yeah, and we've we've talked about that on the show quite a bit. Is that the, especially in Kansas City? I mean, you were mentioning those couple of towns and. You know, I, I don't know anything about Cincinnati, but it's like the, an example of a town. I, I guarantee you they do not have our jazz scene, for example, well, in, not, in, in a random other 200 or 2 million, you know, person town. And But, you know, compared 
you know, compared to New York, it's, you know, I mean, you just can't compare anything to New York. There's just a billion people, whatever. But, but even in this place like Kansas City, there are tons of great players here. But who are the ones that call, get called back? The ones that kind of have their personal crap together. Yeah. Right? Is kind of what you're meaning. You know, I mean, yes. you, you, when you show up late, you, you accidentally lose a gig. It doesn't mean you're not going to work in town ever. But let's say you, you know, four bands in a row are a complete turd. What, what's going to happen to you then? Well, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, you know, and, so, yeah. And in my classes, we talk about the, you know, the list. And everybody's got a list. Lists. Of players, you mean? Yeah. You have your list yeah. of people you call first. Yeah, yeah, right. You have your list of people you will never call mm -hmm. for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. And then you have your list of people you would work with if you, if you have to. Right. Or if you, know, if you get down to your second or third choice. And they're still good people. They're just yeah. not at your on the top of the right. Still good people, but maybe you haven't worked with them that much or they don't do exactly what you do mm -hmm. or, or just whatever. So you just want to try to, I know I'm on a couple lists. <laughs> and uh, so, uh, but yeah, you want to, you just have to take it seriously. Right. If you want other people to take it seriously, take yeah. you seriously. Yeah. And so, I, I know the, the show, uh, the showing up prepared, you know, to play the gigs, that's been a big one that I, I know that I, in college, I would have not been good at that, you know, in, in regards to laziness. I just being honest with myself, but I definitely have tried better to, to know that, you know, there's two, let's say, for example, two songs on the set list that the guy sends me and I go, okay, I know I'm going to have to work on these. The rest of them are good. And then days would go by and I'd be like, Oh, I'll be fine, you know, and that's the kind of thing. And I'm like, no, you're not gonna be fine. Go work on them, you know. And I have to keep telling myself that, and yeah. and uh, keep remembering that, no, you're not gonna be fine, <laughs> you know. It's I, like just don't put that, don't I, put that shit off, you I know. I learned that it. lesson in undergraduate. I had a private piano lesson and a private composition lesson. I learned this lesson twice. <laughs> uh, I showed up to a piano lesson unprepared, yeah. had not practiced my new piece, yeah. and you know. Dr. Snow says, well, let's hear it. And I sit down and, I, and you know, 10 seconds in, she stopped and said, you haven't practiced. You're right, you know, I haven't. She said, well, this lesson's over. I'll see you next week, mm -hmm. go practice. Yeah. And, you know, went and opened the door and that was the end of that. And I, that never happened again. Yeah. And I showed up with uh, nothing written one time to yeah. Mr. Ott's composition yeah. lesson. And he said, well, where's your stuff? I said, well, I don't have anything. What? So I didn't feel like writing anything. And he looked over his glasses at me and, and said, if you're going to wait for inspiration, you're going to wait your whole life. Uh -huh. This lesson's over. Go write something. Yeah. I'll see you next time. Yeah. And those, those two were really important lessons for me to learn oh, yeah. as a young guy. That just, why am I wasting these, these people's time mm -hmm. when I haven't put in the, the effort to be prepared? Yeah. And so, you know, so, so here's the question I have for that. So, you know, and I have lots of opinions on this topic, but so that I, I know in college one time we, we took this art of theater class and the guy came in and he was talking to theater people in the same realm as our, you know, musicians coming yeah. into college. And he kind of told us, he's like, sometimes I tell people that you don't got it. You know, basically, you know, in so many words that, you know, that he's like, dude, I've been on Broadway. I know what that crap is. You know, he's like, you're going to, you know, you're going to be shown in the next 10 years. 
you're going to be shelling, you know, you're, you're probably not going to get any work. You're going to be shelling out a hundred grand living in New York city, you know, and you're barely going to get called. And he's like, in his eyes, he, you know, he was all we, we were all, well, I wasn't, but the rest of the crowd was like mortified that he, what you would give up on. And he's like, yeah. he's like, well, hold on. You know, two things might happen. One, you might turn someone away that you don't think is going to have it anyway. Like, like you said, they're just, they're just going through the, the motions of coming to class and they don't really want it. They just don't know what else to do. But then you have another person like yourself that the guy, the kid's going to say, Oh, screw that. I'm doing that, you know, and then they yeah. get pissed, like maybe what it sort of motivated, you know, so some people would think that that is really harsh. And how dare he say that? I, I don't know. I, I don't know. You know, I try to never go there. Right. I will say this is not good enough. I don't think you should be satisfied. I'm sure you can do better. Mm-hmm. I will withhold praise because I don't blow smoke. Right. If it's not there. And I will tell them what I think you need to work on. Right. And you can take it or leave it. Yeah. But if your beats are off and your, you know, your chords don't match and you, you know, don't have a B section or, or, or just whatever, I will just try to say what I think you need to work on. Yeah. But, and I went really extreme. I mean, he's telling them to literally quit, but in your case, that's, to, I think some people in the world would go, how dare they kick him out of lesson? That was so mean. And like, you know, no. but, but to you, what happened? I mean, that was one I was of never, couple of, I was, was, do you know what I mean? A couple I never of did that important again. lessons. Yeah, that's right. And, and how, how worth it was that to kind of, not oh. every lesson, but that one lesson, did you need to hear that? that absolutely. You know what and I mean? That was so, 35 years ago. Yeah. And it was just, you know, listen, this person, I have a ton of respect for both of those teachers. As musicians, as people, everything. I had a ton of respect for them. And I know they were right. They were 100% yeah. right to right. not just, oh, you tr- I know you tried. Yeah, right, and all that stuff. And yeah, I can yeah. be, you know, I can be a little more uh, direct, shall we say. But I try, to, I try not to say, you, you know, you're terrible and you always will be. Yeah, right. That's, say, what the, that's what the other guy was kind yeah, of saying. Yeah, I will say, yeah, this yeah. is not good enough. This is what I, are. you know, I don't think this is good enough. Right. I'm not happy. I don't think you should be. I know you could do better if you do X, Y, and Z. So I try to come at it from, from that yeah. perspective. My students know when I'm not happy. Uh, my my uh, student in L.A., he, we were talking about de- deadlines again. And he said, you know, one time... I was 90 seconds late with my project in your class, <laughs> and you mentioned it, and you didn't yell, and you didn't get mad, and you actually, you spoke quieter, and, you, and he said, you said something like, you know, you're going to need to manage your time better for the next project, mm-hmm. and he said, I, it, I really liked that you got on me a little bit to be on time, and just mm-hmm. manage my time a little bit better, mm-hmm. and 10 years later, yeah, there is no late. Yeah, because they'll just, there's they'll go to the next guy. Right, they don't have time to call you up. Where's the, yeah. where's the cues I need for the project? Mm-hmm. You know, I, pff, there's 25 guys they could call. I want them to keep calling me. Yeah, so, how does that feel for, to tell him time management yada yada and then go to LA and have him be telling you time management? I mean, how good does that feel? It was great. It was yeah. really one of those makes up for a lot of students who don't listen. Yeah. And uh, 
Yeah, it was great. He's just doing great. And, you know, we're going to see him getting a little gold statue one of these days, mm-hmm. I think. That's neat. That's He's neat, doing man. a lot of work. And, so, uh, yeah. Real proud of him. Talented young man who works hard. And I, it's just, that's a good combination. Yeah, that's cool, man. In, in regards to the colleges, what, like, okay, and you said uh, Jace uh, Juco, right? Johnson County. Johnson, County. Yeah. That's right. And you're, you're teaching, and you're teaching composition there, or what do you teach? No, no. Yeah. Uh, I teach classes in. Uh, we have the recording arts program. Mm-hmm. I teach classes in desktop music production, and in recording studio. Cool. Yeah. I just got cool. a recording studio built on campus. Probably, oh, that's neat. A couple years ago. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So I built that program from scratch, pretty much, and uh, been there since '95. Wow. And it's been a good experience. Good job. Good place to work. Lots of good students over the years, and uh, and it's you know teaching is a good life. Yeah, yeah. What is there anything that's been? I don't know. Good. I mean, you can really answer it however you want. But in regards to the colleges, like, is there anything that? Like, okay. So I'll I'll say this for me then. I guess when when I was at college, one the only thing that I was frustrated with because. I screwed a lot of it off, you know, I mean, I, I didn't work as hard as I should have or whatever. And there was a lot of uh, things, the music library, and there's a lot of stuff that I could have, you know, that, that was there take for me. To, yeah, of. take more well, advantage. And, but the thing that I was frustrated with is that I didn't, I wish that we could have gotten like a couple of private lessons with the school, like school set up with an elementary school or something and, and supervised, we'd get some actual like experience doing our job instead of just throw you out there. Oh, do you know what I'm saying? Like, like well, I wish we, yeah. I wish they could have prepared us a little bit better because, be yeah, or performer or, or, oh. uh, uh, recording or, you know, I just wish, I think there was a lot of courses that we had that we were never, ever going to use in our job. And I wish that's an example is, but is there something kind of going along with the colleges that you've noticed kind of a trend that's maybe like, maybe possibly negative or like, well, I'm not going to say anything negative. I got you. uh, Basically. Uh, but I would say this, um, I have a master's degree in composition from UMKC and an undergraduate degree in composition from KU. Okay. Uh, I never took a single class in how to teach. Mm. Now, what this also means is that I could not teach elementary music in Kansas or Missouri because mm. I don't have a teaching degree. Right. So, uh, I don't uh, really, I'm not sure how to think about that. I'm sure there's some sort of logical reason for that. But I could teach in any. Um, Division one or Division two or private college that would hire me, mm-hmm. although without a DMA or I do not have a DMA, just a master's degree. Yeah. I'm not going to get a tenure track position at KU, for example, because um, that's just a requirement, yeah. the DMA, terminal degree. But I can teach uh, music at any college that will hire me, but I can't teach fourth graders. Mm-hmm. And that seems frustrating to mm-hmm. me. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure how that evolved to that point and there must be good reasons for that that I don't understand but uh, I got my teaching experience as an undergrad I was an assistant teaching assistant to my main professor and then at UMKC in grad school I was a graduate teaching assistant so I had some teaching um, experience but a lot of it is just 
you figure it out under fire, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And you make, oh, you make mistakes. I've made a few, you know, I made some mistakes in the classroom that, sure. that I wish I could you know, have that one back. Cause sure. I, didn't, I didn't handle that well, or I was hard on a student when I shouldn't have been, or not hard enough when mm-hmm. I should have been, or, or you just, you learn how to give information in a sequential manner that makes sense to them. So yeah. that this builds on this and this builds on this. And you go to step six too early or whatever, you know, that yes. kind of a thing. Yeah, I've done yeah. that before. Too. And it's kind of like coaching. You, you got to know when you can push the team mm-hmm. and you got to know when they need to be pushed. Yeah. And you need to know when to back off and, and you know, yeah. hand out a little praise. And you never want to humiliate a student in front of the others. Mm-hmm. Although you may say something to try to get their attention. But you don't want to do it in a personal way that is going to be hurtful. Yeah. And I don't do things. I don't say, if I have something I really need to say to somebody, I'll pull them aside yeah. and pull them into my office and talk to them privately yeah. if I think they've got a real attitude issue and, you know, or something like that. And thankfully that just rarely happens. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that doesn't happen too often. Sure. But a lot of those fires you put out before they get started. Yeah. Yeah. And you've got to learn to read the, the, your students as a group and then individually. Mm-hmm. And all, early on I learned uh, quickly that you got to figure out who the leader is in the classroom <laughs> and turn them in your favor. Mm-hmm. And everybody follow. You know, all yeah. the good of number of them will follow. Or yeah, yeah. figure out who has the most skill and get them to buy into mm, that's to, your, interesting. to your ideas. Yeah. And then the other kids will kind of, or young, young people will kind of generally, not always, but will generally you know, and if you do have a, a problem with attitude or whatever, you need to address that right away. Mm-hmm. And you cannot let a single student take over a classroom and make it hard for you to teach and for the other students to learn. And it took me a while to kind of learn that yeah. and uh, nip that in the bud. Yeah. You're not going to speak to me in that tone of voice or use that language mm, with me right. at all. That will yeah, never yeah. happen again. Yeah. And sometimes you need to let the other students hear you say, yeah. that is unacceptable. Right. And yeah, because the, the disappointment of they didn't practice enough or something, or they didn't do their homework, that's kind of a whole different deal from they're giving you literal aggressive attitude, you know, right? I mean, that's yeah. two different, that's the time when yeah. you, you might actually do it in front of every, you know, kind of set a tone. I yes yes and you still try to do it in a yeah in a uh, yeah, you, mm. <laughs> you're, you're trying not to do it in a personal right way. you're trying right. not to attack but on the other hand you know I, I think that attitude is poor and I do not think that is going to serve you well going forward yeah and you can be very direct but that's not really a personal right you, know, you can say it in a certain way yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. and then the other the other people will kind of oh you're not going to talk back to him yeah, right or He's at least going to say something. Yeah, yeah, or yeah. he'll take, you know, you can, I don't mind a little witty retort once yeah, in a while. Yeah, and, sure, yeah, yeah. In the right context. And, yeah. But if you're going to, or if they're going to snap at each other. Mm, yeah, you, you get one yeah. kid who wants to pick on somebody. Yeah. You know, you, you take care of that immediately. Yeah. You just stop that one. I find, I have, tro- you, you mentioned a bunch of things there that was really good. I, I like, um, I like the idea of the, the how do you say it to them and when or if you say it to them. I've, I've talked about that on the show, that that's something that I'm still really trying to do better at. The, the diagnosing of the actual, you know, 
your C sharp and this, you know, this technique, see that stuff's like insanely easy for me. I can, you know, and a lot of yeah. us, we can diagnose six problems in four seconds, you know, that you can talk about, but the, the, how do I say like you were talking about which ones you can yell at and which ones you will respond to you kind of kicking well, my I, butt and I almost never yell. I don't not yell, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, the, like what happened to you, right? Is the guy kind of was, he didn't you know, yell, but, but he, but he, but he was very straight ahead. Yeah. But he still kicked you out. You know, yes. a, a clap. This you know? lesson is over. Yeah, and, and so I'll see you next time. I, I'm struggling with that, and I I think I have a better idea now as opposed to like even two years ago. But I I think about that a lot of when when do you because sometimes I'm bad about always saying something, and sometimes I need to kind of once in a while. Yeah. There's no reason to say something right now. I want to hyper. Uh, I want to micromanage. I'm that kind of type where I always want to say something, but sometimes something just doesn't need to be said. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying I'm, to learn that. I tend to withhold praise, and if something is really like we're going to have a group critique tomorrow, <laughs> recording one class. Dun dun dun. Yeah, and hopefully they're all ready to go and prepared and and ready. But if if there happens to be one that's just not ready to go, um, I would am likely to just say very little and uh, move on to the next one mm. and then talk to that student privately mm. or in my written comments uh, yeah. explain that this is not up to standard and you're going to have to manage your time better. You can do better but it's going to take more effort on your part. Mm. Um, I will help you if you need extra time come to my office. I had a young fellow yesterday I was having trouble understanding triads. I said well come to my office and we spent about 20 five minutes, 30 minutes tops, uh, at the piano, and I drilled him on triads in the key of C. And he just wasn't quite getting it. And by the end of the private time, he was able to go straight to it. And then if I would play a triad, he could tell me what it was. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay. Yeah. So I saw him today in class. And I was like, you know, his name's Michael. I said, Michael, A minor. Bong. Hey, good. F triad. Bong. Yeah. Progress, yeah, yeah, and that's the big thing. That's the big thing too. Progress. I don't need miracles. Right. I need progress. Yeah. Because wherever you're at, fine. Let's make progress. Right. And I'm more proud of that student for learning that. And sometimes guys who come in with a lot of skill and a lot of experience, who aren't interested in moving forward. Right. And I've had a well, yeah. fair number of students who. Uh, who I've been teaching there longer than they've been alive. Right. And they want to uh, fill me in on how things are. And it's part of that you listen to, because it's like, well, okay. But on the other hand, you know, I'm trying to help you. Sure, yeah. If you would listen, I think it would be better for you. Yeah. Uh, maybe not, and maybe you're gonna be hanging gold records on your wall soon. Right. And I hope so. But uh, maybe you should try to listen to people who are trying to help you. Mm -hmm. So, and for me too, I try to, boy, yeah. as soon as you figure you've got it all figured out, you don't have it figured out. Yeah, yeah. And in the recording biz, that's, you've just got to continually be learning. And learning right. from your mistakes and then what worked and what didn't work. And, you know. Yeah, the, I know the other day I had one um, high schooler who was trying to, you know, I mean, basically saying, no, it's easier for me if I just try to play it fast. You know, I'm doing fast and slow, and I'm like, I'm like, well, 
If you can't play it slow, uh, you, you can't, can't play it fast. Yeah, so I was, you know, I kind of, I, and that was a good time where I kind of, I kind of let him know my perspective on that and how, um, and and I kind of made, you know, made my arguments, and he was just like, well, you know, blah, blah, you know, he kind of gave me that, and I, and that was a good time where. I really, really wanted to just like you know pretty much destroy him. You know, I mean, like argument wise, of course. Yeah. But uh, but but I kind of was like, I, I've said it. You know, he's Take usually good, like attitude wise. He's usually all right. Maybe this was a fluke day. Maybe yeah, he I'm, just was hungry, I'm or just, you know, and he was just extra snappy you know, today. Had a fight with his girlfriend, stubbed his toe, right? Rear-ended somebody with yeah. his dad's car. You know, whatever, whatever. Right. And you you do try to bear that in mind. Yeah. I mean that you know. I have days where I'm not as patient as other days, but um, yeah. as a teacher, you get paid to be patient and prepared, mm-hmm. and if you're having a bad day, you can wait until the class is over, or at least you try to mm-hmm. as much as possible. This is not, it's not their business that I had whatever went on right. at that given time. And, uh, but you do have to bear that in mind. I've had students go through some pretty rough stuff. Mm-hmm. And keep coming to class. And so yeah, so so moving gears here to because you were, you've been talking a little bit about recording. Um, there was a couple of questions I had about recording of just my philosophies, and I was gonna be curious to see what you thought. One, uh, what do you think about click tracks? Well, it kind of depends, and if the band is tight and they're playing together. I'm not going to insist on a click track. Mm. If they're, if the tempo breathes a little bit and the band is together, then, uh, you know, that's okay. I've got no problem with that. If it's an EDM type of thing or a dance beat or something like that, that pretty much needs to be right on the click. Mm. I don't do a lot of that, yeah. what I'm teaching, you know. Um, if you're doing a, if you've got a singer-songwriter, young man or lady, young, uh, yeah, and they're just doing a soulful singing and playing guitar, I don't think that really needs a click. And if they want to slow down a little bit and let it let it pick up a little bit, unless that just gets out of control, mm. you know, I'm okay if it's you know because it's musical. I mean, everything doesn't have to be right on. But if you're trying to do groove-based stuff. A lot of funk type of stuff, a lot of uh, EDM or dance music. That needs to be pretty tight. Mm-hmm. But usually it is because they're coming from MIDI or samples. So generally, yeah. So if I have, the, if I think they're having a real problem, I might suggest let's try it with a click. And sometimes that helps. Yeah. And sometimes we, you know, after two takes we're like okay we're gonna go without the clip right <laughs> and let's it's just screwing them up more but some yeah, guys right. it helps them to right. you know, understand that okay i need to keep this tight right and then some guys who have never done it or aren't used to it, it it's you know mm-hmm. i'm okay with it if the band is tight and playing together or the person is playing together and it fits the song uh, you know i'm okay with it i don't uh, right. i don't insist and you were talking about how kind of the ebb and flow. Um, the other day, I've been doing these reaction videos, making reaction videos, and I tried to play with this Champagne Supernova. It's an Oasis song, but I was playing with it, and I could tell after I listened back because I was playing with, with the recording, and I could tell that in my head, 
I was like kind of feeling the beat and, and I, but when I listened to it, I'm like, wow, am I behind, you know, and I could feel that, but I know that I was kind of trying to meld with it. And as soon as I just put the idea in my head that, okay, I just need to not like schmaltz this whole thing up and I need to just kind of keep tight. And as soon as I did that, it fit, it fit great. And the other thing happened when uh, we were talking about that string quartet that you that you played with, where all of us string players are used to the, and the you know, and we're we're all flowing with each other, and when we don't, you know, when we don't have the click or whatever, or when when we're trying, because that's what we do live, right? You know, and like right. so, uh, is that something that happens a lot during recording? Is people that are like really used to playing stuff live, and then when they have to be kind of stuck to this thing, they, it kind of sounds really weird. Well, at at school, I don't have that many students who have gig butch yet. Mm -hmm. At my home studio, Hammerhead Audio, mm -hmm. uh, name drop it, name drop it. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, it's sometimes kind of an eye opener when you've had. Uh, I've had a. I've had groups in who've played lots of gigs, and guys maybe even older than me, who have, who have played gigs for years, but have not uh, recorded much. Mm -hmm. And there's been a, a few times where uh, we come in, we do the session, and we're listening to playback, and uh, I can, a couple things come to mind real vividly, but I can remember a, a guitar player, singer one time saying, well, that sounds terrible. And I said, well, you mean the tone or the or the band? He says, no, the band, really, that doesn't sound good. I said, well, is that the way you usually play it? Yeah. Well, I, we've identified the problem. <laughs> you've, you've played live so much that yeah. you've never heard it played back. Right. And if you're in the club and you're sell, they're selling drinks and right. it's noisy and people are dancing, you know, stuff gets missed. Yeah. yeah. And that's okay because mm -hmm. you're there to facilitate a good time. Right. And, you know, a little more accuracy I think would be nice. But uh, it's a different deal. So it's the best guys um, have played a lot publicly and have had some experience recording. Yeah. I just did uh, John Paul Drum's mm -hmm. album, mm -hmm. uh, The Big Three. And uh, I've known John Paul since KU days, way back in the 80s. And, uh, and he called me up and we want to do this album. I'm like, well, okay, great. And, uh, he says, I think we can get the full album in two sessions. I'm like, well, you know, maybe. We'll, we'll try. We will, we'll see. I mean, if the band is ready to go, I, you know. It's, it's possible. It's possible, right. But it's, it's we'll, we'll see. We'll do all, I will work as, as fast as I can to, to make it happen for you. And uh, so it, it was John Paul, Alan Fischel, who has a ton of experience with uh, studio work, worked at Chapman. For mm -hmm. years, and then Billy Die, guitar player Bill Die, and the three of them came in, and they did nail fifteen songs in two sessions. Yeah, wow. And then we did a couple of sh shortish overdub sessions with Jimmy Beisman, blues, uh, piano player. He he dropped some overdubs and piano parts on three or four songs, and Bill went back and did a couple of rubato intros. That then we added to, but they were, you know, they had their arrangements worked out. They had played together enough. They knew what they were doing. They had their, they had their plan. They had their song list ready to go. There was no time spent arguing about anything. Uh, just boom, boom, next boom, time, yeah, next time, yeah, next time. Yeah. We went to a second take a 
few times, and I don't think we may have gone to a third take once. Yeah, but they blasted through it, huh? Yes. Yeah. And that's on the on the good side. That is when that happens. That's just like oh, yeah, fantastic. But you know, they came in. They knew what they were doing. They were you know down to business. They weren't you know imbibing anything that was going to you know uh, <laughs> inhibit uh, memory, shall we say? And uh, we I, we got it done, and that yeah. album turned out really great. And uh, just over Christmas, I, I had a uh, well a, an opposite experience where they thought they were they wanted to get ten songs, eight or t eight or ten songs in one three hour session. I'm like, well, you know, uh, you know, I will try. And if the band is really tight, I mean, that's still a stretch. But I, I will try. I will work as fast as possible. Get you set up, going, and we'll be tracking right away. And in this situation, they did not have their uh, crap together. <laughs> well, they didn't have their arrangements quite together, yeah. and it was obvious they didn't have their endings together. Yeah. And a lot of these tunes were running six, seven minutes, yeah. and uh, it just didn't didn't work out that great. Mm -hmm. And uh, and that's okay. I mean, if they would come back and, and do it again, I'm sure we would get better results, and and they might. And they might. I hope they will. They just weren't ready. They like, weren't ready to like record. Arrangement-wise, it sounds like they were Yeah, still... they didn't quite have, yeah. you know, they didn't have endings ready. Yeah. Right. They didn't know how they were going to end the tune. Because live, you know, you might stop and talk to the crowd a little and, you know, and then kind of look. Yeah, yeah. You know, in the studio, you, you kind of, you know, you need to be planned out and right. kind of, you might, you know, quickly, first solo, second solo, and then we're going to do that ending. But, you, you, you know... Right. Yeah, so it just depends. I mean, you can only do so much. Right. And if you're not prepared, I can't fix it. Yeah, I I went in once with recording with a guy, and he I played my stuff, and I just couldn't get this little part, and he he had this little tiny phrase that he had chopped or whatever, and he goes, yeah, you know, it was a rhythm problem. And he just went, nah, and then we listened to it, and it was fixed, and I was like mother you know and I'm like okay so 20 25 years of playing and then the guy can just come in and you know trying to get it perfect through all this school well, and freaking lessons and stuff and he just fixes it you know well it is beautiful it is a beautiful thing it is yeah you know uh, the digital right. recording in the computer you know is is a beautiful thing because right. you can fix some stuff that in the old days just wasn't going to get fixed yeah. you were going to play it again and so yeah in that way it's like Right, and there's plenty of times I'll say, "Give me a minute. <laughs> this is off a little bit, but just give me a second. Let me right. see if I can't." Yeah, yeah. Or you played it perfect over here. I'm just gonna float that right yeah, over yeah. here, and let me see if that actually fits. And hey, oh, we got lucky there. Yeah, yeah. And nobody knows, and nobody cares. Right. The I always get crack up at when I'm playing when I get recording. I'll hear a lot of like <clears throat> and like you know a lot of like extra little noises that I make. And that gets me to another point about kind of rawness and because that, that's back to your playing live and the, you know, the clinks of the glasses and a lot of stuff gets mixed or uh, missed because it's just so noisy. Well, with, with the whole like recording live and then tracking as a whole nother argument that I've had with a lot of people and, and some people are, you know, just dead set on tracking. They're just like, let's track all of it. And then. In the jazz world, like that's not a thing, right? We we got to do it live. It's all you know. It's, it's it's a rawness and the guys I work with, which is mostly jazz and blues, mm -hmm. uh, they want to play live in the same room. Yeah. And if we have bleed, fine. 
And if we can't get it in two takes, we shouldn't be doing the song. Mm. It's kind of the so idea. they're gonna do they're gonna do like three takes or something, and then ha take the best take, but all well, together or something, right? I we did a I did a demo for Mike Pagan, mm -hmm. yeah, phenomenal yeah. piano player in town, you know, absolutely a list, and a nice guy, and just jeez, and he brought in a, a drummer drummer bass player himself on piano, and four horns, and uh, I think we did seven shorter tunes but we never went to a third take ever yeah. i don't think yeah. maybe once and we went to a second take a couple of times and on one of them i had sent him the i met burning a cd of all the takes and you take it home and listen to it see which see which ones you like and then you know on one of them he was uh, like you know i like the bridge from take two right but i like all the rest of it from take one right you can float that in there right I said, well, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I can try. Because it wasn't a click track deal. I can try. Maybe. And I will try for right. you. But I'm, I'm telling you, that may work. It may not work if your tempo fluctuated. Right. And boy, I went in and cut that part and dropped it in. And the first time, I just happened to get it. Yeah. And it was like, huh. <laughs> Nobody's going to know that right, that was yeah. dropped from the second take. And all is good. Isn't that what happens? I mean, it's like the end or the jam on this one was killer, but the blah 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 on this one, and you're just like, ah, oh, crap. Well, and it yeah, depends like, too, because I'm listening for different things right. than the players yeah. are listening, making sure they hit the part. And then, yeah, uh, yeah, and I'm yeah. trying to hear the whole thing. Right. So, yeah, I always just tell people, you know, I, I will do what I can. I can't fix everything, right. but I, you know, I'll certainly try. And that was just one of those things. Yeah. Where it's like, you know, Mike, I, you know. It worked great. Yeah. Nobody's gonna know at all. Yeah. And but he listened to it. He's like, oh yeah. Fine. Yeah. But that's how tight that band was. Right. Their tempo was just dead on from take to take. Oh yeah. That that's yeah. And they're just that was that's a real funny. treat. That's been what, a few years. Ago. What's your philosophy about tracking in general? Like when somebody comes in and wants it or not or. Well, it kind of depends uh, on the style of the music and how well prepared they are. But I kind of like people playing together. I think mm. you get a little better feel. And with the younger students, um, unfortunately, and not all, uh, of course, but unfortunately, they don't, they don't have as much experience playing together. Mm -hmm. And they would rather often track out individual parts. Mm -hmm. And if you get there at the end of the day and it's it's all great and it's musically satisfying and all that, you know, great. Yeah. But I think it's important to learn how to play with other people. And in sessions, it's surprising how sometimes, you know, the drummer might have a good suggestion or the bass player, and they didn't write the song. They're not singing anything. But you're you're stopping, you're talking about something, you're listening back. And somebody will pipe up with, why don't we try, and yeah, why don't, why don't we, let's, let's do try that, let's, let's do that. Mm -hmm. And when you're tracking everything out individually, I think you lose a little bit of that. Mm -hmm. And so I, however you get there is, is fine as long as you get there. But for my younger students, I would, for my students, I would like them to learn to play together. Mm -hmm. A little more yeah. than than some of them do, not all of them, of yeah. course. But 
there's something a little bit extra that happens when you're when you're pulling together and when you're hitting that groove you know as a group three four five guys together making it happen I, I think that is uh, I think that's important yeah on I did a couple of albums when I was in college and it was kind of jam band prog rock kind of stuff some seven minute songs and, and it kind of complicated and I had a bunch of friends of mine come in and I decided to do kind of a best of both worlds where I had the you know guitar piano bass drums and we did that live so we had a very kind of a live rhythm section kind of thing and then I came in because it was my album and I was you know I you know accidentally did the violin tracked and then vocals tracked and so I was you know able to accidentally get my part perfect and have them do live but it, it worked out pretty good because and I've done that too yeah because we we got it we got a live-ish you know kind of feel and then I was able to put the kind of most because I was the main soloer and the vocal you know so the main parts of the song were decent but uh but one thing that was weird is because it was sort of jam bandy stuff. So parts of it was, you know, straight. Here's chords, chords, chords. But there's a couple songs that had kind of a jam ish. Yeah. And yeah. The, and the one song, one of the songs we did, I had listened to it a couple of times, and we just happened to like the guy throws in triplet, and right after it, I hit this triplet. Like there, it just I don't See? know how we did it. And it was crazy because we did it. We didn't do it together. But the jam ended up, and it was crazy because we had like, there was a part, you know, piano came in and then drums came in and be, like, we just had these little moments that, and, I'm saying. but we did it like not together, you know, the violin, I don't know, it was crazy. It well, just fit, you know, it was uh, crazy. Serendipity, these yeah. happy accidents. Right. Uh, to paraphrase Bob Ross. Yeah. You know, but I, yeah, that can, that can happen. And I, there are songs that need to be rubato or there are sections right. of songs that need to be free but then we get to x point and we need to be back on yeah. you know back on the click or back you know whatever the chorus and, and whatever, that's okay yeah. too i mean yeah. there's a lot of ways to get there and i think one of the things that's important is to just understand there is no single way mm. to create something of value there there's lots of ways to get there yeah there's a lots of there's lots of ways to screw it up too <laughs> that's yeah know, that's also a lesson you got to learn you're you're all planned out you're all 100% ready to go and it still doesn't work yeah. and that, that just that happens sometimes yeah. you've, you've hired great musicians and you're prepared and it still just kind of lays there and yeah. that's just part of the process that's going to going to happen from from time to time I mean nobody hits 100% right yeah so you you also said so I think I I'm pretty sure you were the one that said this to me we were talking at the Phoenix or somewhere and you were talking to me about the first 500 gigs. I don't know if you remember saying that to me or if you've said that yeah. to a couple other people before, yeah, but we, we were talking about that, about some guys that, you know, can, because you were mentioning kind of Kansas City and then other places and you, you get going on your career and, and we were talking about kind of, you know, at the first 500 gigs of going on the road or, you know, just being a musician are really, really fun. And you you were suggesting that you know sometimes guys can you know, I'm kind of paraphrasing what you said but sometimes you know after that you know 500 gigs sometimes people can kind of get sort of over it you know and and yeah can you expand on that what well, you meant by that yeah you know I couldn't uh, I couldn't wait to get in a gigging working band when I was younger 
And uh, I started, I had, you know, I played with my friends and we did the garage band thing. And we had a lot of fun and, you know, we played a few gigs here and there. But um, I was uh, living across the street from The Point. Mm -hmm. And I used to go over to Lonnie Ray's mm -hmm. jam session on Monday nights, it seems like. <coughs> and I used to sit in and play for, and just for fun and just play piano and, you know, it was fun. And a guy heard me one night and uh, he said, hey, you play good. I have a gig tomorrow night or Thursday night or Friday, whatever it was. I have a gig in a couple of days. If you'll come down, I'll, I'll pay you $40. Mm -hmm. And this was the first person that I didn't know um, at all mm -hmm. who wanted to hire me to play a gig. And I was yeah, like, cool, oh, great. So I went down and did it and it, it went well and fine. And at the end of the night, he gave me my $40. And <laughs> he said, hey, really good job. If you'll come back tomorrow, we're playing here tomorrow night too. If you come back, I'll give you $50 mm -hmm. to play tomorrow night. And so that was the auspicious beginnings. And I was just overjoyed to be in a working band mm -hmm. with strangers. Yeah. Because I didn't know the drummer, I didn't know the bass player, I, I, I just met this guitar player, lead man, uh, singer guy. It's a and, big step. Huh? It was a big step. For probably. me it was. Yeah, and to yeah. just, uh, no rehearsal. Mm -hmm. It was a blues band mm -hmm. and I knew a few of the songs that weren't just straight one, four, five blues. Mm -hmm. And I knew, you know, I knew a few songs. Mm -hmm. And the others he just picked up on the bandstand and you know, hey, here we go. <laughs> And uh, so that was a big deal uh, for me. And then I, from then on, I gigged solid for 20, 20 years. Mm -hmm. uh, I played with, that was Roland Allen. I played with him, and he passed away a couple years ago. And I played with him for several years. Uh, well, a couple years. And then I, I floated for a couple years. I would be the on-call keyboard player. And whoever... You know, their keyboard player had a different another gig or couldn't make it or they were in between. I would fill in. I did that for a while. And then I played in the played in the Big Woody Blues Review mm -hmm. on a couple different occasions for about a year each. And then would move on to other things. And then I got to play with the fabulous Wild Women of Kansas City mm -hmm. with Millie Edwards, yeah. Lori Tucker, mm -hmm. uh, Geneva Price, and the one and only Myra Taylor. And I got to play with them for about eight years seven, eight years. And that was just a lovely experience. Those ladies taught me so much. And just how to entertain and just watching them interact with each other. Mm -hmm. and it was They know what they're doing. It was, well, yeah, they've, yeah, it was wonderful. We used to, yeah, it was just wonderful. So, um, but when Myra passed away, she couldn't be replaced in the group. And they didn't even try. Mm -hmm. they Myra was a, is a legend, and, uh, you know, and just that. After that, I, I did the Phoenix thing with Millie, mm -hmm. and then we brought in our friend Tom to masters mm -hmm. on guitar, and we did that for two or three years. And about the end of that, I had kind of decided that mm -hmm. you know I'm getting too old for this, <laughs> and people don't understand that. Uh, four-hour gigs are brutal. Yeah, it's a long time. And you don't get paid to pack up your stuff into your van or car and drive to the gig and set up and play the gig and then tear everything down and put it back in your bag. And I don't mean to complain because, I mean, I had a lot of fun times doing that. But, you know, equipment gets heavier after midnight and after the age of 40. And it just got to the point where I'd rather focus on recording and writing and I think I'll, I'll leave the 
gigging to other other people right. who are better at it and enjoy it more. And uh, so, yeah, uh, I will occasionally, uh, I fill in for uh, uh, Tim Whitmer at the Cafe Trio, mm-hmm. uh, you know, fairly regular and have for, oh boy, six or seven years now. Yeah. And that's a nice gig. It's a really nice room. There's a grand piano. You just walk in. Mm-hmm. I can play my own originals. Mm-hmm. I can, I can play whatever I want, but you know, within reason, as long as you know, they're still happy. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that I enjoy pretty well. I don't really mind playing background music because mm-hmm. people are having dinner. Yeah. And some people don't like that. Yeah. And guys who play a lot better than I do could play that room, but they don't care for it. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. That's cool. I, to me, it doesn't really bother me. Mm. I'm okay with just, I'm trying to just set the mood so you can enjoy your dinner. And I, I'm not the focus of the of your evening. And if you hear it and enjoy it, fantastic. Yeah. Hit the tip jar. You're right, yeah, sure. But, uh, so I still do that. And, and I'll keep doing that as long as it's fun. And, you know, it's good to keep my chops up a little bit. Sure. And I fill in with uh, Abel Ramirez's big band mm-hmm. occasionally. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's kind of fun, and I get to uh, read some charts and play with the big band, which doesn't happen. Not too many opportunities right. for that. And again, I don't have to carry it. Carry it. I'm just one of 20 musicians. And so I do that, and I'll keep doing that as long as it's fun. And that's another one where I don't carry anything, walk in, and the mm-hmm. Steinway is sitting there. Yeah. And so, yeah, I've just, as I have gotten older, I want to spend my time writing, recording, and working that way. Yeah. Do you so, uh, so two two things you said. One, I I agree with you about the uh, the background music type gigs. You know, because I I don't always mind those either. Because I know I've been in a place, and I mean we have this in movies all the time, right? Where yeah. it, it's always the spy movie, right? Where you go in and you're at the ballroom, and there's a string quartet there, and like yeah. everybody, you know that that place is better with the string quartet, like the ambiance yeah. of the room, and yeah. like so that's what we're doing, right? Yeah. And even though they're not like staring at you the whole time, you you have no idea. Everybody knows that this is kind of a better room because there's kind of this music and there, you know, you know. You can so, look around and you can tell who's listening and right. who's kind of digging it and who's uh, who's not. And that, you know, that's mm-hmm. okay. So anyway, getting back to it, I, I tell students who want to be gigging mm-hmm. that yes, do it. It'll be good for yeah. you. The first 500 gigs are a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. After that, you know, reevaluate. Mm-hmm. You know, just see where you're at after you. Yeah. Play. And as long as you're still enjoying it and feel like you're making progress. And uh, having a good time, and it's worth your your time monetarily, you know. Mm-hmm. I also tell my guys, uh, do not play for free. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would, I would, I, we play charity events. The Wild Women would play charity mm-hmm. events. We'd do Tabitha's Closet, and we would do uh, women's uh, breast cancer, you know, things like that. Right. I would do for free, yeah. absolutely. But uh, set your know. worth. Huh? Is set your worth a little bit, or like, well, like yes. you know, is that kind of what you're getting at? Don't yeah, be yeah. afraid to yeah. say, you know, I need X dollars to do what you're asking. Yeah. And if you don't have that budget, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll have to find somebody else, mm-hmm. and that's okay. Yeah. And I'm not doing it for free. And mm-hmm. I will get calls at the school occasionally, and the worst one I can remember is uh, I got a call on like a like on a Thursday afternoon, and uh, I don't remember who it was even, but uh, this person uh, 
said, you know, if we were having an event in Oakland Park or someplace, and we would like a string quartet for you know, three hours at so-and-so <laughs> place for this dinner, you know, whatever, and we have no money. We can't pay you, but it would be, you know, and I just, I just tell them, you know, I, I never send students to play for free. Mm -hmm. Good for you, man. Yeah, well, good for you. And I have sent piano players to play things, mm -hmm. but I'll, I'll tell them, you know, they need X number of dollars. Yeah. And that's what they're gonna ask you for. And if you've got it, great. If you don't have it, I'm not gonna give them your name and number, mm -hmm. contact information. Yeah. You know, if you know you don't have a budget, that's okay. Yeah. But I'm not gonna send my student over there right. to play for free because I just don't think that's a good precedent. And yeah. I don't think that's good practice. Especially in my first band, I was so needing gigs that I felt like I couldn't turn them down. Not the free ones, but the, you know, well, you know, sorry, you know, we need your nuts, but you know, <laughs> we, we, you know, you, you give us your nuts and then we give you like $40 and then come play this four hour show. And I was like, Oh, I need a gig. Uh, okay, fine. You know, well, like, and, and, you know we're, we all go know. through that. And, and if it's a buddy and you're helping them out, you know, I might subsidize it a little bit. Sure. But just as you, you can't do that. You're hurting everybody else in the scene mm -hmm. and these bands that'll, you know, and this happens with pros. You'll have guys go in and undercut your band by 50 bucks, mm -hmm. and the bar owner will go with the cheaper band. And I understand commerce, but Kansas City's a small town. Yeah. And uh, you need to try to minimize that type of stuff because everybody talks. Yeah, right. Yeah. And word gets around if you're that kind of, if you mm -hmm. operate that way. And clubs, too. I mean, you hear all mm -hmm. the time that, you know, we. Uh, we got stiffed at X venue. Yeah, and I'll just, we, we're chirping to each other and so are the club owners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna play there again. At the end yeah. of the night, they came up and said they can't pay us what they promised. Mm -hmm. And it's just bogus. Yeah. I mean, it's bad for them, it's bad for the musicians, it's bad for everybody. And uh, so, I, yeah. A lot of times they're not there in 10 years. You know, that's, that club, you know, a right. lot of times. Sometimes they are, but some, a lot of times they aren't. Yeah, because yeah, karma is, uh, right. karma comes around. Yeah. And it's just, yeah. So that's just uh, real life and part of the business. I know I know a lot of guys, the reason why I kind of asked about the 500 gigs question is there's a lot of guys that, one of the reasons why I wanted to do the show is because I just hear, you know, it, Phil Wakefield, I don't know if you, if you oh, knew Phil, but recorded he's, he's, yeah, he's over in New York or somewhere now, but he told me the, the real famous line of, if you want to hear him complain, give him a gig, you know, like, and, and so, which is a hilarious line, you know, hear, hear a musician complain, just give him a gig. And yeah. uh, so I've heard a lot of chirping and that's one of the reasons, because I've had many, many of these conversations just like this that we've had and I wanted to record it. But one of the reasons was because I hear a lot of bitching, you know, from all musicians all the time, just about stuff, right? Club owners this and my bandmates that. And with the 500 gig question, I hear a lot of guys getting, getting sort of jaded with the whole thing. And some yeah. for good reason, you know, you, you're lugging stuff out at 12 at night or gigs are four hours long or... I have to drive to freaking Emporia to get a hundred bucks and like, you know, there's a lot of, you know, there, it's not like there's nothing to be annoyed at. Um, well, and that's a good time to put it is maybe, yeah, it's a good time to maybe stop doing it or take a break. Would or, you have any suggestions, at least in my opinion, attitude wise that you would tell a 28 year old or whatever of, of how to not get like that? 
Well, I know in my experience, just being when, when I was a sideman, which is most of the time, I've had my own band a couple, uh, once I had a, a really good band together and I was the leader and I took care of all those things. Mm-hmm. But I've been a sideman most of the time. And uh, I always told the guy who hired me, listen, I don't care what you pay any of the other guys. That's their business, your business. Mm-hmm. My deal is with you. Yeah. You need to pay me what you told me you were going to pay me. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, I don't want less. If something happens once or twice, maybe, um, I understand things happen. And if it's a good hang and I like the music, so be it, things happen. But if we get in a situation where I'm not getting what I was promised, or the gig is four hours and I was told three hours, or whatever, sure. then it's a, that's on me if I let that continue. Mm-hmm. You know? And I've quit, I've quit a couple bands. Sure. Just that, you know, I'm sorry, but this is, I've had my, I've yeah. had all I can take of this right now, and I'm just going to let you find somebody else, and I hope we can stay friends and be, stay in contact and be friendly, and you try not to burn bridges, mm-hmm. uh, but, you know, after a while, that's on you. Mm-hmm. And when I realized that I was, you know, I was not enjoying this as much as I did mm-hmm. 10 years earlier, that's when it was time to... You know, I should probably just take a break for a while. Mm-hmm. And if I get into another situation that I feel like is a good fit, maybe. Yeah. But right now, I'm pretty happy writing and recording. And, sure. And my teaching job is a full-time job. And sure. So. It sounds like you find you found your niche, too, obviously, is the thing that you are pretty good at. I mean, it sounds like, you, you know, you've, you've obviously had lots of experience recording. And now, you know, however many years you've been teaching. And, like, I mean... Yeah, I don't well, know if you'd agree with that, but uh, like, yeah. well, I'm a better teacher now, I think, than I was uh, 20 years ago. I, I hope so. Yeah. I think so. But no, I just think if you're not enjoying, if you're not enjoying uh, playing live, uh, change something or quit doing it. Take a break. Yeah. A lot of guys take a break. Yeah. And just and then a lot of guys come back. Yeah. And they miss it. Yeah. Right. You know, and they realize, oh, well, wait a minute, there were things about it that I did enjoy. Yeah. And I do like that. Uh, when you're having a good night. Yeah, it's there's not much better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, with the Wild Women, we used to play the last Sunday evening at Jardine's. Mm-hmm. And we used to pack that place. Yeah, yeah. And those memories are some of the best gig memories I have. Yeah. And I wouldn't trade those for for just about anything. Those were some really fun nights. Right. Myra would be funny, and her and Lori would go back and forth, and Lori and Millie would go back and forth, and... You know, those were just some really, really fun nights. That's fun, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I love what you said about the, and this is a way that I think a lot of people do not think, is that when you're you were talking about sort of, in, when you're in the band, and then they haven't, they haven't done what you sort of pre, uh, you, you sort of made the mute or the the unwritten contract with the band owner or the uh, the band leader, right? That, that I'm going to get this money or this is you know, and then they fall through. You just said something interesting that if I haven't left the seventh time this has happened in a row, that's on me. Yeah. And a lot of other people look at that opposite. They're like, no, him, him, him you know. And then you're you're kind of seeing that as no, I yeah. have a responsibility myself. And I've right, told, is that kind of what you, what yeah, you mean? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I've told guys who've, who've hired me that, listen, I'll do this as long as it's fun and as long as it's 
And as, as long as it's good for everybody, I'll, I'll do it. But if I get to the point where I'm not enjoying it or something, things are happening that I, I'm not comfortable with, you know, I'm just, I'm going to tell you and that's going to be it. You're going to find another guy. Yeah. And I've, I've told them that uh, there's just, you know, when we initially talk about it, when I get the call, can you do this? You know, would you like to join? Would you like to come play? Yeah. And then we'll see if you want, you know, we'll right. see if we want you to join. You right, know, right, right. And I, yeah, I'll try to just be upfront about it. And, yeah. uh, you know, is that important to be upfront about it? I mean, I've I think talked it is. To, yeah, I think it is. Mm. I've told guys, you're going to stiff me once. <laughs> and then you're not going to get a second chance to not pay me. Yeah. And, you know, another thing for, you know, you youngsters out there, don't leave the gig without your money. Mm. And if it's a two night gig and they don't pay you till the second night, you need to know that before you play the first night. Because mm. that does happen. Yeah. If you get a Friday, Saturday. A lot of times they will not pay you till you're done on Saturday yeah. night, and that's okay. But uh, you know that ahead of time, yeah. yeah I'd yeah. rather you tell me that in advance. Yeah. I mean, and I would, yeah. That doesn't happen that often because how many mm-hmm. two night gigs right. have you played? Right. Most of mine have been one night. Yeah. We've only done that one time. We we're out in Nebraska. We played there a couple times, and they were cool with us. You know, we we weren't that worried about them not paying us, and and. But yeah, that's only happened once, and I got I got a call. Uh, this has been fifteen years ago or so. I got a call from a blues band who shall remain nameless, and uh, he had a, a two night gig in I think it was Ames, Iowa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we need to leave at like noon or two o'clock to get there and set up and then play from nine to one or whatever mm-hmm. it was, and it pays sixty dollars. And I don't need you for the Saturday night. I have my regular keyboard player for the Saturday night. And I was just like, uh. Find your ride back? Like what? Yeah, no, I'd right. have to drive myself. Right, right, that's what I mean. And yeah, you know, yeah, 60 yeah. bucks isn't gonna pay for my gas hardly, and I'm gonna need to spend the night or drive all night, which I'm not gonna do. And I just, you know, I just had to tell the guy, you know, thanks, but I, I, I'm just not, a, I can't do that. Right, yeah. And it was just, yeah, that was one of the more extreme, you know, Right, yeah. Locally, you know, if it was BB's, and I was right. two miles from there, oh, well, you know, okay. You know, I, I could do that. I could just play the one night, the front end of the two sure. nighter. And, you know, I could do that. Uh, one time I was, uh, uh, this happened at BB's. Uh, I used to play there fairly <coughs> regular. I sat in with a blues band. And uh, a good blues band. They were, they were good from St. Joe. And uh, I had a good night. I mean, <laughs> don't want to brag, but. You know, I had a good night. I was, you know, I was sounding good, and the, you know, people were clapping for me, and you know, so in the solos, you know, you were getting what you you should get with some, some applause and some enthusiasm for the crowd, and the bands was sounding tight. And at the end of the night, uh, uh, <laughs> the guy we're, we're winding down, and good house. The whole night was a good house. And uh, at the end of the night, the guy introduces the band, and he gets to me and he says, "We'd really like to thank Mike Moreland for sitting in tonight." We'll have our new keyboard player here next time, you know, Johnny, whoever. Yeah, right. And that's how I found out. Yeah, right. That oh, not only did I, it wasn't an audition, <laughs> he had already decided before the gig that I wasn't going to be the guy. Right. No matter how, what I did, I wasn't yeah. going to be yeah, the guy. Yeah, yeah. And so that was just one of those live and learn type that's deals. funny. It's hard to be mad about it, but it was just like, you know, dude, you could have just told me that. You had a guy, right? Right. I thought you told me I was auditioning for the band, right? Yeah. And I had a good night, and you're subbing so, in. That's no insult at all. 
You know what I mean? If you would have said it like that, right? I mean, yeah. you're just a sub. Yeah, our guys, there's nothing. Our there's guys no out of town. Our yeah. guys got another gig that right. that pays more that he needs to go play. Right. Yeah, fine. That's no big deal. So yeah, yeah, and that's funny. So that's yeah, it is. It is kind of. <laughs> but you're you know you're sitting there and you're like. Yeah, but that's life, and that's yeah, yeah. that's real common. Those things happen. It's yeah. just the way it is. That's cool, man. Well, uh, definitely, probably, probably, we're getting getting close here, um, and uh, definitely keep up uh, keep up the good work of teaching and recording and doing all the stuff you're doing. I you appreciate know. it. I will. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad you're uh, dealing with. Uh, Dealing with all those uh, college kids, kind of whooping them, whooping them up into shape as much as you can, you know. Most like, of them are, are really, um, it's really gratifying to work with mm-hmm. the, the majority. Yeah. And it's just like anything else. There's going to be good ones and so-so ones and ones that you're ready to, um, you're excited to have them start their next chapter. Yeah, yeah, sure. But no, it's 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 been good. It helps keep you young a little mm-hmm. bit. And it, it really, really is good to see a young person make progress. Yeah. It is just, I think, a good teacher, that's that's a big reason you do it. Oh, yeah, sure. you're just trying to, just the way we were helped. Yeah. There were a few teachers that stood out that really helped us mm-hmm. get to understand what it takes and to get to the next step and just keep, you know, making. So, yeah, I think. I think I will happily uh, teach a few more years and then, and then see what's next. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. It's nice that, uh, I mean, it sounds like the, especially in a sound studio. I mean, you can do that for a bit, right? I mean, recording people. I mean, there, there's. I mean, you'd think that that's something that anybody could do for quite a long time. You know. And, well, if you take care of your ears. Yeah. yeah. And you know, I've got a little hearing loss. You know. Mm. I, oh, I didn't say that. Uh, I don't have hearing loss. Uh, but you know the high end goes out first. Sure. And yeah. you do when you're young. You want to you want to try to protect your ears. Right. And you do not want to sit in front of the bass cabinet. Yeah, yeah. And you you do need to think about that when you're young, which yeah. I didn't. And but you know, it's not like it's not the end of the world. It's just I have to be aware that the high end I have to guess a little bit. Mm, yeah. And you know I have to meter a little bit and just yeah. just be aware that. What you are and are not hearing. My grandpa has lost probably seventy something percent. You know, he's played for sixty years or oh, whatever. Yeah. And uh, but what's hilarious is, I mean, just like you know, Beethoven sitting there. You know, I mean, he can he, he can feel when he's you know singing. You know, I mean, yeah. you because because he has that muscle memory and he right. knows what B flat feels like as yeah. opposed to right. D. And like so, there's stuff you still keep. You know, even though if you're losing some of your hearing, there's, no, right. there's stuff you still keep. You know? No, I'm just saying. You, I know yeah, young, yeah. younger younger people need to hear that. You know, wear the earplugs. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, wear uh, protection if you're mowing the yard or running power equipment, stuff mm-hmm. like that. Uh, you'll be happy later. When you don't, you know, if you have tinnitus, you know, you just, you need to try to prolong that. Because it's inevitable. Everybody has a little hearing loss if you live long enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just the way it is. Right. And it's the high end first that goes out. Mm. And it's just the way it is. So, Jonathan, fa- famous Jonathan Winters joke. And he's like, I was in a cannon outfit in World War II. You know, you just say, this is you know, how you lost your, you know, being. Your well, this is why George Martin finally had to retire. Mm. He realized that I, you know, I my high end is gone to the point that I, I can't really trust my ears anymore. Mm. 
And That's right. He was up in his 80s. Yeah, yeah. And, you know. Yeah. So. Well, uh, thanks for coming, man. Thanks for having me. It was nice talking to you. You Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So uh, we'll be back next time with some more uh, interviews, and I hope you guys have an awesome day. Get out of here. See you later.